life might hand you budgets, schedules, family, and responsibility. But driving shouldn't be just another chore. We're here to help you find a car you love. Something that fits your budget and your needs, but is fun to drive and makes you look back. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car to Be. Kevin Bell 7 is asking on Instagram about the Detroit Auto Show. Okay. Ah, auto show season. Yeah. I love auto show season. Does it ever really stop? Though? I don't feel like it really, really. does. I, 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 yeah. Although apparently Detroit is now moving to October to not conflict with CES, as a matter of fact, in, uh, in January. Because CES now yeah. is becoming the place for car manufacturers to introduce tech. And they're losing companies. And that's what he notes here. He said, BMW and Mercedes are out as of this week. What do we think? He's asking, are online and social media more popular than actually going to the auto shows with the younger generations of physical buyers? Mm. I think the auto shows are still important. They're just massively crowded. And I, I'm, mm. I don't know, I'm wondering if, you know, more localized car shows that bring it instead of a, well, we're driving to the city, kids, and you know, oh, we're going to spend all day and, Interesting. you know, all that kind of stuff. Now, that is still possible. It's not that big of a hassle. Let's be honest. If you like cars, you're going to the auto show. <laughs> you're going to find a car show. Denver and New York are coming. But, yeah, Detroit, I mean, I guess they have to put out their products in the markets where they know are going to be sales. Yeah. Generally yeah. speaking. Now, all car enthusiasts are you know, love all brands at just about every car show. Theoretically, yes. But, you know, we've talked about the Texas auto show, and mm -hmm. you were just there, and it was just truck land with a couple of Corollas. Dallas was a lot of trucks, yeah. And they <laughs> Special had a, edition they, trucks. They had a Camry and no 86 anywhere. They had eight Camrys and no 86 is anywhere in the Toyota booth. The Toyota had some real estate, too. Did FCA have uh, Hellcats and, you know, the straight line monsters and all that stuff? Uh, they did. They had that stuff, but it was, of course, you know, I was there not on a press day, so it was all of the right. please stand behind this barricade stuff, too, though, you know? Oh, sure, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I, I think it's interesting, Kevin. And yeah, I, um, I'm thinking, like I said, that because it's, it's just perception and then with as many employees of the auto manufacturers and all the suppliers that get the, the pricing plan discounts mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that are more compelled to go buy their company's product rather than spend the money on a BMW. That's different in South Carolina, different in Alabama, mm, okay. different in Tennessee, different in Ohio, where all these manufacturers are located, yeah. obviously. But I still come back to the Detroit is the big one, but maybe it's not anymore. It's interesting how it's changing. The other thing I think is fascinating, L.A., of all places, of all places to see the crazy exotic cars, like on the road is what I mean. Mm, Any right. car you can imagine, right. you will see one rolling down the road in L.A. But if you go to the L.A. Auto Show, except Porsche, nobody else shows anymore. Ferrari's out. Aston Martin's out. Of the out. exotics, the Lamborghini's out. Yeah. Ferrari's not there. So, I yeah. mean, the, the thing about it is you would expect, I mean, 10 years ago, all of them came. Now, none of them come. And the difference is during the press week and the week to follow, they have private receptions up at some nice house, a la the Pebble Beach Adventures. Right. And they have private receptions for, let's be honest, people that are more likely buyers. I think this is the problem with the upper-level brands is they don't feel like there's any reason to take their cars to the car show to show to the people that will never buy them anyway. Yeah. And so they're doing the private little events with the people that they already have leads on because they have your email address and they know what your, your uh, annual income is and they'll invite you to the thing to tell you about how awesome their car is. I think that's the shift that's happening hmm. because hmm. I think the internet now has informed us all so much about what the car is already like and what it looks like that the auto show used to do a decade ago. Sure, sure. I can so see now that. We want, now, especially if we have high-end metal, we only want to talk to buyers. And I think that's changing the auto circuit a lot. It's become very targeted. And yes, For this sure. happens in L.A. And Kevin, I'll bet you this happens in Detroit, too. I mean, how about up at uh, Royal Oak, Birmingham, you know, all those areas where the, the Detroit Pistons live and, mm. you know, the the uh, Red Wings players and all the pro athletes and yeah. they've got houses up there and that kind of thing. There may be – that's where you see the exotics, you know, yeah. northern Detroit, you know, that kind of thing. Of course, Gross Point, you know, all those areas. But, but you're right. There may be presentations from some of those brands that yeah. are, quote, unquote, not at the show happening that week anyway. And it, it could be those brands. It could mean, well, we pulled out of the show. We just we didn't pull out of the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still showing off, just not right. for everybody. 
Right. So it's it's interesting. I mean, this like you said, it happens at Pebble Beach, happens worldwide, mm-hmm. but now it's just the big shows because you've got to be strategic with your dollars. Mm-hmm. Attending shows and setting up these huge pavilions is a, millions and millions of dollars. It's very expensive, yeah. For these companies. Yeah, yeah. So they got to be strategic. So it's Geneva, totally. it's Frankfurt, it's Paris, it's Tokyo, and then the smaller ones... It's crazy to think that Detroit is now the smaller show on well, the planet. But, but it's also – you're right. It's competing for, for bandwidth too against something like CES. And I find it even funnier. If you go back – it's been at least 10 years. It may have been more. The LA Auto Show used to be in January the same week as the Detroit Auto Show. And they yeah. moved it to Thanksgiving week to get away from Detroit. And now Detroit's going, let's move to the fall. Right. And the big thing when LA moved is they went, oh, we'll be the first show of the season. Uh-huh. That's why they moved to Thanksgiving. And now Detroit's going, well, what if we move ahead of L.A. and become the first show of the season? Oh, man. So funny. Well, yeah, because that entire media huddle is going to traipse along and uh-huh. follow the shows around yes, the country. It yes, it does. Like I said, Denver and New York are happening shortly here. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. We're we're getting invites for for various events at Denver uh-huh, and, uh-huh. and uh, some in New York. Chicago just happened, but I mean those, like you said, those are just you know what is popular in those markets for sure. Very yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, guys, uh, we've got a lot of great debates, a lot of great questions. Two great debates here uh, mm-hmm. from Dan. Very unique ones. He's in Charlotte, North Carolina, which he says is uh, you know a great place to be as a car guy because racing is popular. They've got mountain roads, several road courses within a few really hours. Cool. Yeah, active autocross community as well, and some temperate weather, which is nice. So we've got uh, a debate from him, and then something that you and I rarely touch on, which is depreciation. Mm-hmm. We've got Carlos writing in. He's active duty military, and he's talking about you know some de- depreciation and how he's thinking about approaching his car buying. Yeah, so how to navigate that? Look for forward sure. to discussing yeah, yeah. this. All right. Well, uh, starting with Dan's debate here, he has discovered the podcast. And by the way, for those of you just discovering as well, we have found a new place for you to rate and review the podcast. Okay. And that is IMDb that rates the show. This is the TV show. Everything. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And I, I, just because rating is madness, of course, <laughs> I also dug further in because I know I keep saying it. We're in the process of putting the show on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that is we're, – we're learning all kinds of behind-the-scenes Amazon stuff because I've used Amazon Prime Video for years. I have an 8-year-old. He watches stuff constantly right, between right. Netflix and Amazon. We're just always clicking a button and be like, let's watch that now. So I use it from <laughs> that end. But now I'm thinking about it from the, the content and distribution end. So it's a very different headspace. We're both kind of battling our way through that. So the if you look at the ratings of something, I've never looked at the ratings as closely on Amazon before. If you look at the ratings <laughs> on Amazon, it has a star rating and then it has an IMDb rating. Right, right. The IMDb rating, thank you to those of you that are already adding that. Once it goes live, we will be asking you again to go on <laughs> Amazon on your laptop because if you go through your, your service, like looking at your TV, there like, isn't probably say a Amazon way to Fire rate. or whatever you've got. You probably can't rate. Right. But if you look that show up on Amazon on your laptop or your computer or whatever, like every other product on Amazon, you can give it a star rating. So when you look at a, a, a movie, let's say, on Amazon, you see the poster, you see the star rating. Right. There's people that went on the site and actually gave it a star like every other Amazon product. Then you see the IMDb rating all right there in the corner. It's madness. Crazy. It's madness. But thank you guys for the rating and the help. We do appreciate Agreed. it. Agreed. And iTunes still is very much appreciative. We, That's we why really... we're Top 10 Automotive Podcast, because of yeah. you guys listening. That's we're why. thrilled by that. Thank you, guys. So back to Dan's debate here. Dan, sorry to digress there for a minute, but I just, since you discovered it, I am really thrilled that you are. And Dan is like prime time podcast listening guy because <laughs> yeah. he does technical product demos for an audio mixing console manufacturer. And he finds himself behind the wheel of a Ford F550 driving all over North America to reach his clients. Wow. He is on the road. And so I'm sure you're on the road as you're listening to this, Dan. Hello. yeah. I'm wondering uh, what you're staring at in front of your screen. Hopefully it's uh, wide open country and not traffic right now. That would be much better for sure, yeah. Well, uh, like I said, he's out in Charlotte, North Carolina. And uh, due to his job, he only has a weekend car, which is a lightly modified O3 Mm -hmm, Corvette mm -hmm. C5 six-speed. Which his friends have lovingly named the Porvette. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, but he owns it, and he loves it, and it works well. It's not like it's a beat-down car that's not running. It runs well. It's been his <laughs> yeah. autocross car, but here's uh, the twist in life. He just recently took it. Forget autocross. He's been autocrossing it, loving it. He just took it to a track day. Mm-hmm. 
and now he likes it much, much more. He gave it more room to run. It was starting to just feel big on the autocross circuit, and he was like, I, I, maybe, I, maybe I need – he's been looking at Porsches because he listened to us. Actually, he listens right. to you, let's be honest. Pretty but, much. But I'm guilty as Beating well. Beating the drum over here. Yeah, exactly. So he's been looking at Porsches, and he's thinking, maybe I should get a Porsche. And then he takes this C5 to an actual track day and goes – no, wait, this car's even better than I thought. Yeah, which I like. I mean, this is the year-round daily when he's home. But he's not home much. Yeah. Exactly. Isn't that, you know, you sort of uh, do your laundry at home and you live at the Hilton? Isn't that the joke, Dan? Practically, yeah. <laughs> All right, so previous cars that he had include a 90 Miata, so an NA Miata, 2012 GTI, Autocross Prep 97 Civic, and a 93 Ford Taurus. So among those, well, maybe the GTI, but I'd say the poor vet is still up there in terms of ability. Absolutely, yeah. And that's kind of what he's asking. He's saying, you know, I, I just recently spent 450 miles in a Turoed 987 Cayman S. Turo Ooh. is now a verb. It's now an action verb. It is an action I verb. I Turoed yes. a thing. I, I did Turo a thing, yes. Love it. All right. So he said, well, yes, I love it, as you should. I'm glad to hear that. But it all changed once, as you said, he tracked the poor vet. He also tracked his GTI, or uh, yes, his GTI and an Elise in Hethel. Do you notice this? So he's essentially driven both of our cars. <laughs> yes, you're right. You're right. And he says, well, you know, put him down the mid-engine rabbit hole. But other than that, it's always been the autocross for him. So, mm -hmm. okay. He said he's a little bored with five minutes of seat time, trading that for an entire day of sunburn. So he's hoping to do several more high-performance driving events this year. Really cool. He is a track guy, essentially. Yeah. More so than, you know, as much as we dream and want to go do these events, more well, so but, than other people and other debates that we've done. But he's realizing, I mean, he's he's doing plenty of driving during the week. Yeah. yeah. So he's also realizing, if I have a fun car, I'm going to put it in scenarios where I can just drive it hard and for fun. Mm -hmm. So he has that ability of, this is now my car. I don't drive it all week, every week even though I'm doing tons of normal driving, right. let's take it out and really beat on it. And so this is where the question splinters, for lack of a better way to put it, because he's going, I'd love to have a Cayman. Caymans are awesome. I think it'd be really fun to have mid-engine. And then he's going, hmm, what's a Cayman going to cost me to track while my C5 is fun to track? Should I sell the C5 and buy something cheaper as a track car? Should I buy the Cayman and have a car that's <laughs> amazing to drive and is also good on track? What's that going to cost? This is where his brain just it, – it, it almost explodes. So let's see if we can help Dan out. All right. Well, yeah, about the money thing, yes, everything about the Cayman is going to be more expensive. And especially mm -hmm. with the Cayman, the track issues have come in the form of oil starvation. Now, you could sure. argue that for just about any car. Some cars are set up better than most or set up better than others, I'll say. But Caymans want a dry sump. If you're going to do a lot of track days with it, you want to get a dry sump. And so then that leads down to the you know, rabbit hole of, well, if I'm doing that, I'm going to do this. And suspension and brakes, <laughs> as you said in your email here. Now, if he sells the Porvette, his budget would be twenty five grand. He could go to thirty, limiting me to about thirty grand, which means more money but less track time to yeah. pay for all the consumables. Bought more car but can't track, track day as much because where's that money come from? Yeah, right. for sure. He says there's some other requirements. The ability to carry his mountain bike. He's currently using a hitch rack on the C5. Dan, please send photos. I got to cool. see that. I, I think that's great. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he wants manual transmission, rear wheel drive, preferably naturally aspirated power, but he could be convinced about turbocharging. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Pretty much open to everything, but he does like the Japanese and American reliability. And since, again, he's home only on weekends, he doesn't want to spend all of his time wrenching. But again, another twist, he's in the process of searching for a new job Yeah, with a bit less travel. I don't yeah. blame you. I mean, I... I sound like just about anything is going to be a job with less travel. Yeah. The job sounds cool. And yeah, you're driving because it's hard to, you know, step onto an airplane and check an audio mixing console. <laughs> Excuse me. Pardon me. Oh, sorry about your head. Ooh, sorry. That looks like that hurt. Anyway. Uh, so yes, he's uh, looking at BMWs. So maybe he'll... You know, end up having a commute if he gets a new job, looking at yeah, E90s, yeah, yeah. E46s. He's got the Cadillac ATS manual in here, Mazda cool. Speed 3, Focus yeah. ST. This would be the the just straight normal during the week commute car now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if he gets the C5 replacement, his budget will be less. So what if he keeps the C5? Or mm -hmm. what if he does the Cayman plus a really <laughs> lukewarm, <laughs> that you didn't even turn the heat on kind of car? Yeah, yeah, fair. We'll see. So... I, 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 uh, I'm considering a lot for you here, but okay. the twist for me has been his consideration of a new job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you liked where you were at or like where you're at and you're planning on being there or just moving up with the company and that kind of mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. uh, my response would be different because the presumptuous choice here is 
keep the C5 and get a GTI in advance of having a new job, right? You're thinking, sure. Well, yeah. I'm just going to go get a Work new job, way. but yeah, yeah. you know, you don't know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if your requirements change yet again after you get a new job and okay. oh, yeah. I just yeah, got yeah. this GTI and it's not quite what I need or you know, we're moving or now I got to sell the <laughs> sure. C5 or something sure, like sure, that. Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. So therefore I say if you're going to get a new job, get that new job first. Yeah. So you know then, what you're shopping for. That's right. a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Then, depending on your new income, you might be able to afford more of a fun slash commuter car. <laughs> Paul's essentially go, saying, go find out more budget, then come back and talk to us. <laughs> then we'll buy a out. Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hear what I'm saying. I mean, mm-hmm, I'm not sure. trying to really cream your budget here, but I'm I'm just saying, you know, if, uh, if the fun slash commuter is a desire that you know, you want a better car for that and sure, then still keep sure, the C5 yeah. for the track time. Yeah. Honestly, man, you've got the car. You've got the Corvette, the mm-hmm. Porvette. Mm-hmm. I'm almost thinking just put your money towards tracking that guy and put the parts into that because it is a track car. If this were your commute car, mm-hmm. I'd say go get a different car that isn't eventually going to nickel and sure, dime you. Sure, and sure, then, yeah. You know, you're throwing a bunch of money, and then you're, <laughs> the sum of your parts is worth more than the car. Which would happen quickly. But but I also feel like that's the kind of thing where when you start putting parts into a car and the parts are now worth more than the car, I feel like the only time that equation has to really make sense is because the car is only used to track. I feel right, like that's the right. only free pass that. in that equation yeah. because you start going down that, that rabbit hole of I'm going to cage it and I'm going to strip the interior. And, and now the car, if you just sold it, is worth nothing. Yeah. But the parts yeah. on it are great and it's robust and it can track all day long. I mean, keep this in mind. Our friend Matt Farah yeah. used to have a C5. Right. Okay. And he got it when he was 18. Yes. And he steadily over time put money into it and made it, let's be honest, more and more like a track style car to the point that the last few years he had in LA, he didn't drive it at all mm-hmm. because it was completely wrong for that environment. And every time he was going to a track, he was probably driving a press car. So it's not like he was taking his Corvette on a road tour to a track. So it became an irrelevant car for him and he finally got rid of it. Now, mm-hmm. I believe he got rid of it to Jack Baruth and his wife, who I think are tracking it. So, I mean, that makes and perfect sense. winning like crazy, too. Well, they, they have fun no matter what, but I think they may be actually tracking that car. So, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I actually agree with you. I'm kind of surprised to go down this route, but I actually think you, you've brought up possible track cars. Of course, the Cayman was in there, but you also brought up should you get a, a Z car, should you get an 86. I think those are viable options, but I think you should take a hard look at this C5. Mm-hmm. If you really want to track a lot, what if that was the only thing that car was for? What if that was dedicated, its role? Fully dedicated, you're saying. And then, you can, and then you can free your mind a little bit on that car of just going, what would I like to do to it? I don't, I don't need to do anything. I can track it exactly like it is, or I can go down, I need tires. I need different brakes. You can start, you can, you can go nuts, but it's not impacting. We had that one person wrote into us and said, don't race your paycheck. You're not impacting your yeah. car that you have to drive every day, but... It's a paid-for known quantity. That's what I like about it. You said you, you, know, you got a little bit of wrenching that you, can, that you know how to do. You're comfortable doing that little bit of wrenching. So my feeling is the C5 is a known thing you like. And you're also, I feel like, just discovering what it's capable of on the track. So take a car you right. know, like a pair of sneakers you love. Take a car you know and get good at the track in that car and see where it takes you. So I actually thought, keep the C5. Let's shop for this other car is kind of where my head went. I will say to you, I honestly think the 86 is a great choice across the board. You can get uh, – there's a really cool company that makes a, a rear hitch for that car that plugs into the two tow hook ports. No kidding. It pops out of the tow hook ports, and it can take a bike all day long. Really? So that's really cool. That's Not that it's, but it's a great idea. You just torque it into that, and it, there's, there's your hitch. You don't have to put a full hitch on. Does You've it have a that. quick release kind of thing so you can put it on and off quickly, or is it just no, mounted? No, it, it, it takes a little bit of time. Okay, fair enough. Time, but, it, fair but, enough. but you torque it down into the, – because there's two tow hook hitches on the back, two, two ports. Not single. There's two of them, one on either really? side. So you have the bar across the back – because if you remember, the 86 has got, approach. That, yeah, it's got that really low center tail light, if you remember, where the mm-hmm. reverse light is. So there's a whole problem with where would you do, what would you do with a hitch on this car? This is the workaround. And it's got the fold-down back seats. This is a car you genuinely – I've done it. You genuinely can haul bikes around with an 86, and you can go track it. Hmm. I think the also the 86 you're going to find because it's newer, it's going to be cheap to run. The consumables be simple. You could go down the rabbit trail of that car of – I'm going to get a supercharger, make it more track-friendly. You could do that all day long. I am obviously a fan of that. That could be your single car. I'm going to put a big thing out there for the 86 chassis. 
I actually like it. I think it's more usable than the Z cars in a daily capacity, which is why I like it more than the Z. I think the Z is a more interesting track car. Agree just, with that. Just purchase track car. Yeah. But as a single, I think 86 is drive it every day, put your bike on it. Oh, look, honey, I'm going tracking this weekend. I think it really is almost in a class by itself. So you're thinking 86 just for the if, commute thing? No, I'm saying if he was to replace the C5, that's oh, where okay. I think we go. Okay. Because right. I, I am concerned about the consumables of the Cayman. But I am going to backtrack to you have the C5, you like the C5. Yeah. Track that car, buy something else once you figure out what your commute's going to be. And then I had a crazy idea there, a couple crazy ideas there. Okay. But I think that would be the fun is just just spend ten grand on your commute car. And for ten grand you can get both or either of a Fiesta S T or an Abart. Five hundred Abart. It's true. Are those that inexpensive now? Some of them are. I mean a few years Some ago they were seventeen, fifteen. They're not hanging on. The Abart, here's the thing. If it's gonna be a commute car, I normally would not recommend the Abart non automatic, but if you're gonna do stop and go Get the Abart. True. Have the funny, ridiculous exhaust and the personality of the Abart. It has almost usable back seats. You can put a hitch on that car. There's there's kits out there. You can put a hitch on it. Put your bike rack on the back of your 500 Abart that's an automatic. You can drive in traffic. Right. If right. you were to go Fiesta ST instead, here's the thought I had. <laughs> that's the car you autocross for fun. That's Which where that car shines. Commute in it. You can do a hitch, put your bike on the back, and then you can autocross that car. And then when you go to the big track days, you take the vet. That's a great idea, yeah, actually. Done. I love that. Dan, I'm going to tell you, before we uh, take a break here, I want to tell you one more quick story about a friend of ours here in town. He's the general manager of a restaurant, and he is a gearhead if there ever was one. Mm-hmm. He has a 69 GTO. 67? 69? I think it's a 69. Okay. Yeah. And Pontiac used to build specific engines. They were They were not just you know General Motors blocks. I mean, they were specific to Pontiac and the performance they wanted for Pontiac. Oh, those would be the days. Sorry, go on. So he has this GTO, and he's had it since he was 15, since he started high school. Yeah, it's a long time he's had it, yeah. And it has, it's had, uh, you know, an axle tear out of the bottom of it at 105. <laughs> it's had, you know, different Which, engines you know, in it. happens, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. He put cruise control in it because he decided, I want to enjoy this car. I don't want to turn it into the show car and I never drive mm, it and it's mm, parked and I have sure. this show car and I never do anything with it. Mm, interesting. So yeah. it's got some wear on it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. like we said, we're, we're going to be hopefully driving this for uh, one of our episodes. Uh, it's on the short list. Yes. In, uh, in, um, Let's hope so for season three. Third quarter. Yeah. So that car is coming, but the story about that car is he was thinking, well, you know, it needs work. He put cruise control on it to to drive it. You know, he's got some other trucks that he wrenches on, and that's the the winter beater trucks. Sure, sure, sure. And then he he well, he was initially thinking, what if I got a, a Z06? You know, like a C5 or C6 sure. Z06 yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for twenty grand was yeah. kind of his budget. The C5s are that low for sure. And then he realized, I love the GTO so much. Why don't I put that twenty grand into my GTO Oof. and make it my car? Yeah, and that's what he decided upon because again, he had the pickup trucks as yeah. the work yeah, yeah. truck and whatever. So he put twenty grand into it, had the engine fully blueprinted. I mean, he put the money into it, and he's so glad that he did now. Interesting, because it's his. It's yeah. still, it's not the show queen kind of car. No, because he drives it, yeah. But man, he loves it. He drives it. It runs. He drives it all the time. He's had it converted to drag use. He's had it converted <laughs> to track use by virtue of suspension setup and wheels and totally. tires yeah, yeah, yeah. and all this stuff. He does the midnight drags here in Utah over the summers and. He just loves the car. So anyway, the point I think you're getting is you've got that C5 already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if you did keep that car? And then I I love your suggestions. My thinking was Miata S2000, you know, sort of the everyday driver, usual suspects in terms of 10 grand and under. These are fun cars. You could commute in them. You could. I love the Fiesta ST idea. GTIs are out there or heck, even a Golf. Whatever yeah. Oh yeah. Just for a sure. Golf. If we're They're if we're great. going straight commute, you can obviously go that route into all of. I would I would say hatch all day long because you want to haul a bike. Yeah. And kind of pick your hatch based on your budget. I think that's and also pick it based on what do you need your miles per gallon to be and what do you need your, your transmission to be. Do you want an automatic? You can go. I mean that's why I don't list them all because you can go all all off into the hatch world. Mm-hmm. But I do the hatch think, weeds. Exactly the, the hatch weeds. Perfect. It's both hatchy <laughs> and handly in the weeds. Uh, Way but, out there. But but I did think that the Fiesta ST would be hysterical as the I am. You know, I'm going to autocross this weekend. I have the tool for it. That's true. And the Abart would be very fun, too. The other reason that works is because you are tracking. 
again, I come back to their, you know, we're, we're dreaming about tracking and we might go two to three times a year. It seems like you're going, you know, he's, he's hooked and he realizes his car has a talent he didn't weekend. know it has, which is also a reason to be intrigued by it. For yeah. Sure. yeah. So you need the tools. I mean, you need a, a palette of artist tools with which to track. You need the big track. You need the autocross. It's you need the small track. That you happens know? here at Park City with skis. You walk into somebody's house and they've got four pairs of skis. You're like, why do you have four pairs of skis? Well, those are my rock skis. Those are my ice skis. Exactly. I'm lucky to have got a pair of skis. But yeah, there they are. Skis. If it's corduroy, is it groomed? What are we talking here? What it's kind ridiculous. of day is it? But it happens. It's out there for sure. Some people do that with mountain bikes. I'm sitting here going, I'm so thrilled my mountain bike has air in the tires. You've got ones you can decide on conditions. <laughs> exactly. It's ridiculous. But anyway. Well, are we doing the fat tire? Are we doing, you know, full-on downhill? Or are we going? Exactly. It's like, well, I can't take my downhill bike on that route. It's like, I have a bike. <laughs> exactly. I'm thrilled to have a bike. It's got tires, crank, pedals. We're done. Anyway. Speaking of that, we're going to take a break. Dan, thank you so much for writing. If you've got your own debate or if you just want to drop us a note, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com or you can find us on the website at everydaydriver.com. Write us there. Love to hear your debate. Love to hear your stories like Dan's and uh, what influences you, what you guys are thinking about because, of course, the shopping on our side never ends. Mm -hmm. Anyway, some sponsorship coming at you and we'll be right back. Hello, guys. It's MMA fighter Chael Sonnen. Check out my podcast, You're Welcome, with Chael Sonnen every Wednesday and Friday right here at Podcast One. We cover the latest in mixed martial arts and everything else going on in the world of sport. Listen free to You're Welcome with Chael Sonnen, exclusively available on Apple Podcasts, at PodcastOne.com, and on the Podcast One app. If you love the show, share it with a friend and leave us a rating and review Recently, we were approached by this company called Omaze. I'd never heard of it. It's this really cool online funding platform. You're actually donating to great things, great nonprofits. And so they approached us about this new thing happening. Kimball Musk, that is Elon Musk's brother, has just announced he's giving away his personal, fully customized, loaded Model 3. That's right, Tesla Model 3 being given away for charity. All you have to do is give a donation to Omaze. So follow me here. Cool stuff is happening. Partnered with Omaze, the online fundraising platform, one lucky person is going to win this loaded Model 3, the sixth Model 3 ever made, courtesy of Mr. Musk. Now, this is Mr. Musk, the brother, by the way, Kimball Musk, not Elon, but still, that's pretty cool. This is a loaded Model 3, everything, voice-activated controls, Wi-Fi, LTV connectivity, premium audio system, LED fog lights, the long-range battery, even the taxes are covered. You can enter for as little as 10 bucks, and get this... Kimball's own initiative to provide healthier futures to kids benefiting Big Green. This is the Promoting Futures for Kids Through Learning Gardens and Food Literacy Programs. How cool is that? The winner will be randomly selected at the end of the campaign. So what you want to do is go to omaze.com slash driver. That's O-M-A-Z-E dot com forward slash driver. Now, Omaze is a really great find for us as well. Check out their other experiences while you're on the website. They've got one for William Shatner, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and a lot of others. Don't forget to use that promo code DRIVER to double your chances of winning on any of these. And the best part is, you can rest easy knowing that even if you aren't the lucky winner, it's all for a good cause. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. It's kind of weird, right? Well, here's another tip you might also not know about. TrueCar also helps people get used cars. That's right. TrueCar isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid. You know, so you'll know if you're getting a good deal before you buy. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with TrueCar certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Let me tell you about Pete, who loved hockey and always wanted to play in the NHL. Pete played since he was three and begged his mom to let him stay on the ice. Why, some nights he even slept in his hockey skates. Pete practiced and practiced until one day when he was 47. 
Pete realized he just wasn't that good, so he threw his skates in the trash. But then he heard how Geico, proud partner of the NHL, could save him money on car insurance. So he switched and saved a bunch. So it all worked out. We're back with a car debate for Carlos. Carlos is active, active duty military. He's writing into us. And he's, he's debating depreciation. Mm. This, is, this is kind of an odd car debate because it centers around, huh, my car is losing value. <laughs> that's that's really it it's not it, it yeah. doesn't start from a place of i'm shopping it starts from a place of this car is not worth as much as i hoped yeah it's inherent and unfortunately it's part of the disease unless you own a 1962 ferrari gto your car is depreciating or unless unless you happen to buy an air-cooled a 911 10 years ago well that yeah. everything else is you know with a few exceptions is pretty much it i'll tell you which direction it's going down it's just how <laughs> fast you know i mean yeah the the car auctions which intrigue me in endlessly by the way i'm fascinated with classic car auctions and what what's happening and you've heard us talk about what do we think the next car that's gonna jump in value or at least We've bottomed out and we're starting on the, mm-hmm. you know, the roller coaster. We're yeah. going back up. And we've talked about 944s and Ferrari 360 Modenas and that kind of thing. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see. But what he's got here is a 2011 BMW 335i M Sport package. Well yep. done. Yep. Very cool. 68,000 miles for about 16 grand. It's currently paid for. He bought it for 16, but he's, but he's not paying it off. That's a key element in this story. Bought it for sixteen grand, and it is paid for. It is his car, so there's no payments going out on it. The problem is you bumped into the Internet. <clears throat> That's, I, I really see that as the, the, the core issue here. You, you've been looking around to realize that uh, the car you own seems to plummet in value after 100,000 miles, like like drop like a stone. And the car you want is a, is it a B8 series, but the 8.5, the refresh Audi S4 is kind of the car you've been eyeing as the next one. So what you're doing here is this is a this is a financial scales <laughs> discussion. One's going down, one's coming up. Which one's dropping faster? How do I make this leap? This is where this starts, and then it just kind of goes nuts. It's like the scales of justice. Only it's the car disease, and it's, yeah, you know, like what car and what yeah. year and my budget and all this stuff. So yeah, he's noticing that uh, his car seems to be depreciating quickly, especially after a hundred thousand miles. Yep. And he acknowledges that most cars do. I mean, for it's sure, sort of, for sure. you know, thank you, Captain Obvious. But he also noticed the B8 S4 seems to be faring better in terms of depreciation, generally speaking, which now sells at his car's current price over 100,000 miles. Yeah, fair. Okay. It's dropping faster than his BMW. I mean, pardon me, his BMW is dropping faster than the Audis he's been eyeing, and that makes him concerned. Okay, so he's found a few S4s, clean history, about seventeen to 19,000. Others with more than 100K for like 14,000, 15,000. But that's compared to 10,000 with a 335i with over 100,000 miles with or without the M-Sport is what yeah, he's saying. Yeah, yeah. So his car's got 80,000 miles on it right now, and he'd rather not hold on to it past 100 if it's just going to fall off the cliff. If it's just sure, going to kind of sure. hang on, kind of hang on, and then drop like a stone. Yeah. He's thinking about selling his car and then purchasing the S4, which I get it. I think you want an S4. I get that sense, I'm too. really yeah. Yeah, yeah, reading between sure. the lines here. And then trying to not take as heavy of a hit as you know from depreciation. I'm wondering if he's trying to just pay cash. Possibly. Or maybe just add a little bit of money and then pay cash again for Possibly. the Audi. Yeah. Maybe. So he's he asking for tools to make a well-educated guess regarding the depreciation futures of his car versus the same year S4. Mm-hmm. Yes, your idea makes sense. I don't know that there's one particular tool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're going to come in and give you the definitive answer. Here's your calculator. No, right. we can't do that. No idea. I mean, Kelly Blue Book is, is a great place. The NADA guides. Yeah. Of course, just general yeah, shopping sure. and seeing well, what, is, what is my car going for, which you've already done. You're looking at here's what it, it's going for. And I'll just say you've got to – understand which i know you do but about enthusiasts and where they are gravitating towards Mm -hmm. i just got into a discussion yesterday with uh somebody this um his wife is looking at the early to mid 2000s lexus gx 470 she really likes those you know maybe over a hundred thousand miles but she's looking at it a long term just kind of truck you know all this stuff and then the usable thing sure somebody else was talking to me about a later lx 470 and you know, can I just put Toyota parts on it to keep it running and that kind of thing? And he said, well, they're cheaper than the same year Forerunners. Isn't that weird how that happens? Because the Forerunners have got a cult around them. 
Exactly. And who's buying the big Lexus used? Really, kind of nobody. Yeah. And it's, it's the Sabaru versus the WRX of the same year. Very much. What on earth? Very much. Now, and I told him Lexus is now a separate car company in terms of how they're marketed. They're the same company, yes. Yes, for sure. And there's plenty of parts that they that are interchangeable, but there are some that aren't. They are specific to that model for whatever reason. Maybe it's just options. Maybe it's a suspension thing. Maybe it's a you know a particular engine, whatever that is. So you mm-hmm. can't just across the board say, no, I can just use to- all Toyota parts on my Lexus to keep it running. And yay, I got a 4Runner for cheap. Eh, I, I can't really say that with complete confidence. So I said... If you want the forerunner, well, there you go. That's why they're yeah. fourteen grand instead of eleven grand. Yeah, you know, because everybody wants the forerunner. There's a forerunner cult. There really, really is. Yeah, for sure. So you know, same with uh, well, he was talking Land Cruisers, forerunners, you know, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, that's what people are wanting. LX470. Yep, you can beat on them. They'll go a long time, but you got to keep on the maintenance of that car too. And for so, sure, you know, same thing in this. I, yeah, back to the S4 and and his question here is, you know, he's saying. You know, maybe worth noting that as long as he buys a car outside of his home state, he doesn't have to pay taxes. So switching over would not be exceedingly expensive, True. which makes this the twist and the possible, yeah, go ahead and do it. But it sounds like you already want that S4. Mm-hmm. Agreed. That's definitely the car he's eyeing for sure. I'm just wondering, since you're active duty military, are you driving the car right now? That was my big question. Is is He's at 80,000 miles. How quickly, if you kept this car, how quickly... Carlos, are you going to get to 100,000? Is that going to be this year? Or is that going to be three years from now? Even at the average, let's say 12 to 15 years. It's probably a, year. a couple years away. Right. So that's my big question about this in general. You're talking about you have, uh, didn't you say you have 80,000? I think you bought it with 68,000. But my yeah, point it's got is, 80 on it. You've got 80 right now. You're, going, you want to, you know, you're worried about getting out of it before 100. Okay. How long until you're really very close? The thing I want to say is this. Unfortunately, um, cars are not bank accounts. I would be much better <laughs> off if they were. Uh, the best thing you have going for you here is you own the car outright because you're yeah. not looking at that price and worried about being underwater on what you owe the bank. That's by far the best thing. I understand it's it's just bleeding value. I get it. But honestly, whatever goes in its, in its garage spot in its place is also going to bleed value. It's just going to be by what speed. Okay? <laughs> exactly. How fast will yeah. it You've done you've yeah. done the good thing because you're shopping used in general. That's where you've dodged the bullet. Otherwise, I think there's a level of acceptance that has to happen for okay, this car is just losing value. Mm-hmm. It just is. But at least you own it outright, and so you don't have to worry about ever being upside down. That's that's the biggest thing I want want to have land here. The other thing I think is interesting is you are looking at maybe a stopgap of what if I sell the BMW. And I buy a B8S4 because what I really want is the B8.5, the refresh B8S4. Right. What if huh. I buy the B, the B8 and then later I buy the upgrade? Here's my problem <laughs> with this. You want the 0.5. That's what you're saying. Now, do I think you have to have that? No. I think you could be perfectly happy with the B8. But the, the refresh has got some styling refreshes. They went from hydraulic to electric steering. There's some improvements in the interior. There's some improvements in the nav screen. Yeah. Clearly, something in there has struck you as, I want these features. So I also think if you get the stopgap car, you're going to always be a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You've yeah. landed on that 0.5, that refresh. I think the, the play here is just keep your BMW know that that is at least worth some cash and figure out your cash to jump straight into the 0.5 when you can do it. Don't do a stopgap car because ultimately what you're doing is just adding hassle and spending money that is still going to lose money. Whatever car you buy, whether it's the the first, the beginning of that B8 or not, whatever car you put in that BMW's place is still going to lose value. Mm -hmm. It might lose value slower, maybe, but ultimately it's still going to lose value. Hang on to the BMW because you have it outright jump to the b8.5 gosh i'm in the weeds when you can i think otherwise you're just you're juggling money but you're not really helping yourself that's my that's my take i agree and i'm almost thinking about your deployment could you if you're not driving the car which is the biggest thing the biggest thing you can do to prevent depreciation is to not drive it Mm -hmm. if miles aren't being piled up on the vehicle well then yeah, it's going to show better, you know, less wear and tear, all for that sure, kind of stuff. For sure, yeah. But depending on your deployment, could you have a friend or family member sell your car right now if you're not using it? That's a big question. That's a great question. Is he using it at all? Sell it. It's a great question. Is it parked? Mm-hmm. 
and when you come back and maybe you can kind of rent and Turo and you know borrow cars and yeah you know what is next happening in your life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then you've got that money already put aside maybe it's in an investment yeah and we're not investment advisors well but but here's the thing but it's cars it's are, but cars are not investments you could put true you could put that money in a bank and let it sit there and it would lose no value true you know just, that's the biggest just, thing literally let it sit in a savings account sell the BMW now let it sit in the savings account while you're deployed come back and use that money to, that's the I'm telling you I guarantee you <laughs> exactly. that money in the bank will always be worth more than the S4 you bought as a stopgap it will keep losing that money then sits for a while maybe yeah. another yeah, yeah. deployment or whatever mm-hmm. now I get it you know you might just a want person. a car you're when a car you person. come back welcome to the show we're glad yeah. to have you for sure and the fact that you know I have a car and I'm dreaming about my car sitting at home waiting for me that's huge. There's cool. I'm it's not very discounting cool. yeah. that. But again, could it be sold? And then when you know what's next happening in your life, then go for that Audi. Mm-hmm. Because it's almost not worth us suggesting other cars to go drive and buy because it's, you know you want the Audi. This email is very clear. I think it's also very interesting that it's the refresh. It's not just, I yeah. want a B8 S4. I want a B8.5 S4. Yeah, and the discussion of I might buy the the, the earlier version just to, for a time, and I just, just to tide me be, over. I think that's going to be a disappointment every time you sit into it. You almost yeah. got the car you wanted. <laughs> almost, I almost did. Don't don't do that to yourself. That's no fun. It's just so close, and you you, you fell on your face. That's that. I still think you're going to like that as much. Again, I'm not discounting the love to have the car sitting and waiting for you, but again, for sure, for sure, I'm saying hold off. And at least hold, hold off or create a savings account. Uh, exactly. Hold off or sell it and then get the car, the exact car you want when you're back and you're, yeah. you know what's yeah. next. How to solve depreciation, not drive your car. <laughs> well, but sort if, of. if you're worried about investing in cars, we are not the podcast for you. <laughs> That's just not my gift. We are jumping to questions. Bravo, everyone. This is amazing because you're, you're giving us some great questions here. I got to jump in with Carter H's question on Facebook. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're doing this one. I'm, I'm very intrigued to hear your answers. I've, I've wrestled with <laughs> trying to suggest stuff that isn't going to embarrass me. Oh, I have two answers right away. <laughs> the, the question is: If you pulled up to a light in a Lamborghini with neons and loud bass, what song would be pumping out of your stereo? I love this, and I and I'm actually envisioning. You don't really say it, but I'm actually envision, envisioning it's a convertible as well. I'm just okay, envisioning it's the whole there. thing. If we're going there. It's it's the convertible, <laughs> so everybody hears everything you're playing. I have uh, it's one of two things. Okay, go. It's ACDC Highway to Hell. Okay, okay. Or it's Zeppelin's Nobody's Fault but Mine. That's pretty good. Those are my two. One of those two because I just think if the car pulls up beside you at a light and it's and it's blasting one of those two songs, you kind of go, yeah, that's appropriate. You're that guy, and I would be that guy. I admit. <laughs> All right. So mine. The inside joke, everyone, is that. When Todd and I were shooting, I forget what shoot it was. Was it the 1M and Mustang? We saw this guy cruise past on a Bombardier, the Can-Am. I'm almost on a motorcycle. And he was blasting Mariah Carey. And he was shameless about it, too. And he noticed us noticing him, and he just pointed at us as he, did he drove that by really confident point like you were, you know it i am i am that awesome and we just thought that's not what we were thinking and i mean he was, it, he was a big guy too so we always come back to the well if it's gonna be music it's gotta be mariah carey right yeah for sure i'm more of like stevie ray vaughn but it doesn't that. go with that car that. so that's why i thought pick the most annoying song you can think of because <laughs> it's not for you it's not for your enjoyment it's to annoy everybody else if i, I look as crazy as this but i might see, as well just keep annoying people but see this is a car i would drive daily so i i just embrace the, one of the songs that i think are appropriate coming out of that car that i actually listen to i hear you stevie ray vaughn is not it doesn't even yeah, come I hear you. close to yeah, matching stevie ray just, vaughn is is what's your muscle car i get i get where you're going yeah, i see what you're saying but yeah. it'd be something annoying <laughs> and we need edgar because on shoots he always just you know it's the shoots going well when he just starts singing a song and then it's stuck in our heads and for the it's, rest some, of the shoot. it's some terrible bubblegum pop thing out of the <laughs> 80s and he pulls it out of nowhere and knows all the lyrics but he but he's which is crazy he knows just enough of the lyrics to stop <laughs> when he knows that the rest of our heads will pick it up and start running I know. at which point i realize i know all the lyrics to these terrible songs why are they stuck in my brain why can't i flush them out it's a terrible thing that happens in all of our shoots <laughs> do you see uh, greg scandalbury's uh, question here rumors that the lincoln continental will bring back suicide doors oh yeah do we care now well it'll be featured in a rap video and i still will not care i just i feel like this is desperation honestly <laughs> Honestly, mining the past to try to create a new hit. 
wait, wait, why did people like the original cut? It was the suicide door. No, it mm. just... I, uh. My favorite is Matthew McConaughey in the new Navigator, the brand new one. Mm-hmm. And he changes the entire car settings to Excite. Hey. And he drives off the uh-huh. front-loading boat off into the wilderness, and he's in Excite mode in his well, giant truck. Yes, in his rolling house. Nothing with exciting yeah. about that. I do. I feel like this is this is going, what's something we can add to the marketing brief? Oh, the door's open the other way now. Because my, my question is, honestly, pick any time that I've gone off on doors. I know 911s, we have the door ping. I know the, the Model X, we have the gullwing doors. But, yeah. but honestly, my, my genuine question is this. Has anybody bought a car because of the doors? With the possible exception mm. of a Lamborghini Countach. But at that well, point, you already had the money, and all you want to do is say, look at me anyway. True. The, with the possible exception of that car, has anybody said, I wouldn't have bought that car, but now that you've changed the doors, I will? I think you're a Continental buyer or you're not. That's, that's, that's I guess, my, my ultimate takeaway. airport car service? No, but seriously, you're either going to buy the new – because if you want to – I mean, a luxury alternative car, it's, it's a viable option. But I think you're either going to buy that car or you aren't. And suicide doors or not are going to make no difference. I agree. This is a terrible idea. And again, looking to the past, we've gone through that era in car design. It was called the 2000s where we had the HHR and the Plymouth Prowler and all that stuff. Yeah, we yeah, went yeah. through it. We survived it. We're past it. The only nod to Cadillac tail fins is in the Escalade. Escalade. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't, I can't take it seriously. Go on. Sorry. It's yes. the, the very tall very. verticals all on the, the D-pillars mm-hmm. that are a very classy nod to the tall tail fins and sure. that sure. signature lighting yeah. element. That's the only thing they do, and it's on a modern-looking suburban That's Cadillac That's an interesting Escalade. point. What if Cadillac decided on their next model year, everything gets fins? It's the same kind of thinking yeah. that interesting this Doors does. Interesting point. And they're mining the past to try to come up with another hit, and it, it's so much of a foregone conclusion, everybody would roll their <laughs> eyeballs. Again, not care. It's just, come on, guys. Think of something different and fresh and new, and take Lincoln in a modern direction. We don't have to keep looking back to make something well, new. We're past retro. We're I see done. that. I see that. I know. I know you have a big thing about this, and I honestly Grr. that bothers me less because I feel like okay, you brought back the Continental name. You want to bring back the suicide doors? That's fine. But my big thing is I don't think adding that feature to this car is going to sell another more Continentals than they're selling already. You're either buying one or you're not. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's some guy with money to buy a Continental that is shopping 7 Series right now. He's shopping 7 Series right now. And you now know? that Lincoln is going to do suicide doors, forget it. I'm not buying a 7 Series. I'm buying a Lincoln Continental. Man, not happening. That pushed me over the not edge. Not happening. Thank you, marketers. I am with you. Stop it. Take Lincoln in a new direction. That's why Cadillac is kicking you right in the teeth. Well, and, and Cadillac is still struggling. It, yeah, Let's agreed. be honest. They're making great chassis and good cars, but the Germans are still killing them. Speaking of retro, Frank B. asks us, what do we want to see out of the Bronco? Well, talk about a name from the past. Yeah. This is a better thing. We can work with this. Okay. The logo, this is what I want to see, Frank. All right. The logo will be a a bird riding a horse. A Raptor Bronco. I was actually hoping for a Raptor Bronco, too. It's funny Raptor Bronco. That. That's frightening. But bird yes. riding the horse. That's the new logo. <laughs> A raptorized Bronco? How okay. freaking cool would that be? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I had thought of that as well. The That's Raptor Bronco would be fun. And we got to get the Bronco to land first. We, yeah, the Bronco has to land, but it has to be convertible. I mean, the the entire top the back shell off, thing has to come off. That oh, has yeah, to come off. That. If it doesn't, you're losing half your sales right there because that is the whole party mode right well, but, there. But is that different than the Lincoln Continental Suicide Doors? It is because I can see that being more Maybe, useful right. and more of a, hey, you know, it's it's like a Wrangler. Take the doors off. Take it to the beach. Fair point. It's it's along those lines. In that market lines. segment, you kind of need that. That is an interesting point. You're going to compete right. with the Wrangler. It better have that. That's a great point. Right. Rather than just, well, look, the doors open differently and, oh, yeah, the JFK car. And aren't we done with this? Fisker is doing it on his new thing. And, you know, it's like, okay, great show car, but... Can you just make it affordable? We just make well, it affordable. But that's the whole discussion also spinning off of autonomous cars is almost every autonomous car uh, concept seems to have suicide doors mm-hmm. because it's now – it's not a car. It's now a living room. The, so the whole the double doors open like French doors and now step inside the car you don't have to drive. Anyway, these are back <laughs> into concepts that I just can't stand. Uh, Nick wrote in on Facebook and asked an interesting question. He said, do we ever – because we've been doing this a while – do we ever have cars we feel differently about now than when we reviewed them? 
This is a great question. In general, by the way. I will say yes, that happens. Absolutely, it does. In the same way that that a person that is now I mean, look when I look candidly when I first met Paul, he was my least favorite of my roommates. Now he's one of my best friends in the world. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Over time, your perception of things changes. Over time, a car that comes out and seems interesting. Six months from now, if their competitor comes up with something that destroys it, you look back at the other car like, well, it was good. But this is why weird you know, Chryslers in the 90s wound up as car of the year. It's like that car was awful. But at the time, <laughs> seemed like a halfway decent car. So I mean, this has happened exactly. to us as well. But I will say this, Nick. You specifically call us out for the BMW 1M. You said we both liked the M3 more the first time we drove the 1M. That is not true. Go yeah, watch I don't that, that piece. Being the case. You barely gave it to the M3 at the time. Barely. I love it. By like a whisker. Yeah. But I had the 1M win. Yeah. So I, I've always loved that car. Talk about a car that doesn't depreciate. I should keep quit talking that way so I can actually get one at okay, some point. Okay, so it's for IGTOs, 911s if you bought them, you know, 10, 20 years yes. ago, and 1Ms. And Elise's if you want to spend 30 grand and then sell it for 30 grand. That's oh, another that's option. that's true. Yeah. That's true. No, you're absolutely right. I, I loved that 1M. The M3 is so compelling with that B8. The power out you of that really V8 liked that was B8. just so compelling. And I think that was the whisker that pushed me over the edge. But, man, that 1M is amazing. Mm-hmm. But, again, we have to drive cars for what they are and the comparisons we do at the time. That's all we can do. For sure. For so sure. So that, that is the thinking, obviously prevailing thinking. But then, you know, we love the boss. And then the GT350 comes out and smacks it between the eyes. Excellent point. That's a great comparo well, there for yeah, sure. Yeah, we still love the boss. But, man, is this GT350 amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, everything marches forward. Theoretically, it's yeah. going to change perception of cars going reverse. All the way to the point that this is the why people buy cars from when they were in high school. Yeah. Is that a better car than the one in the showroom right now? No, it's not. Do you want it more? Probably. Yeah, exactly. Does it drive better? Michael had to add cruise control to his GTO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sacrilege to GTO owners. He just wants a fun car that he loves and he loves can it and wants to enjoy it. Yeah. and take it on road trips. It's got a zillion miles on it. All right, so what else? Oh, Joe B is asking about manufacturers. Are they going back to a simplistic approach for the purest enthusiast? And he's saying minimum electric components, rack and pinion, manual seats, manual transmissions, and crank windows <laughs> without charging more for less. And he's uh, calling out Porsche here. Yes. Yes, as they do. Says, I miss the raw 90s turbo fun. I agree with you. I'll, I'll say this little uh, tidbit that you can appreciate and you'll understand where I'm going, Joe. On Todd's Elise, the electric motor assembly in the door is cheaper and less complex and takes up less space than a manual window crank. Yeah, you can get it with a manual window crank, but it's amazing. Yeah, they gain they gain door space with the. It's very funny. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so you've very few Elises have a manual window crank, and you think, oh, get a manual because it saves weight. You'd be wrong because the smaller electric solenoids are actually lighter, even though it is tech. So by that comment, you can kind of see where I'm going. Manufacturers are always trying to combine new manufacturing processes in the search for better, faster, cheaper, all those kinds of things to meet new criteria, new policies, all that kind of stuff. So I don't ever see them going back in terms of, well, we're going back to, you know, using manual window cranks as a broad example, whatever that category is. It doesn't have to be that, but we're not going back to that. We're going to go to, hey, this manufacturing process actually made the electronics lighter, cheaper, and therefore ultimately a better car theoretically. And it's now made out of you know, high strength plastic or it's bonded together with adhesives. It's not screwed together. Well, we saved weight, you know, all those kinds of things. So I think the push for the purist will continue. I say that with a lot of hope and a lot of optimism. Yeah. You and I feel differently here, but okay, go on. I say that with optimism. I know, but I know you're saying it with like you mean it, (laughs) but I understand that, you know, we're not going back to the you know, technology changes things, obviously. We're not well, going to the heavier metal cranks in there, and it just it doesn't make sense to do that is the point. Well, saying something as the Elise owner, I honestly don't know, and there was somebody that is writing an email as they as we speak right now. They on, I honestly don't know what the, what the weight difference is between the crank window Elise <laughs> and, Somebody's the, going and to somebody knows, us. and somebody is going to send it to me, and they're going to say that we were right, or Todd, why didn't you say this? And I will flat out say I don't know. Right. So I'll put that out there. And, and Lotus owners, literally, it's a thing. When you take something off your car, you weigh it so you know how much weight you saved. I mean, we get little nuts. So yeah. I will admit that that yeah. hasn't happened. But but here's the thing. An Elise can't be made right now. 
because of pedestrian crash crash standards and the fact that it was made under a weird loophole in the first place. It doesn't have like advanced so, smart airbags or something. That's why they stopped selling it here because yeah. it didn't have two-stage airbags. And Lotus went, well, we aren't going to do that technology in the car. That's why you can <laughs> still get them overseas. You know? So it's all of this kind of stuff. The thing that isn't going to happen is we're not going to go backwards on safety requirements. So if you have this stripper car available, it's not going to go backwards on safety requirements, which is going to limit its ability to either, A, be mass-produced. You can sometimes get waivers for low-production cars, mm-hmm. see the Elise, see the Atom, et cetera. But, so it can't be mass-produced because it's going to have to meet safety standards. So if it has safety standards, it's going to have more weight. But here's the, th- the biggest answer I have to your question, though. The only reason that auto manufacturers are going to ever make a bare-bones, back-to-basic cars is if all of us, and I'm looking at myself and everyone listening, if all of us enthusiasts buy them when they're new. It's true. And we to don't. To sales numbers up. And we don't. And yeah. so manufacturers don't make them. That's the biggest thing. Welcome to FRS, not the 2.0 version. Well, but I mean, look, the GTR is not a big sales hit. It's just not. It's a halo car. It's a halo car, but it's not like it's a volume seller. Okay. <laughs> oh, you've and, got and, a GTR too, know, huh? The the FRS, the the MX5, these cars are not. I mean, the MX5 obviously over time has sold a ton, and it's yeah. kind of the oddball. But it's not like Mazda's volume seller either. No. But enthusiasts have got to buy them. We, we all do it. I am I am the the poster child of this idea. <laughs> I want someone else to buy it new so I can buy it used and save money. <laughs> totally. But then I want to complain about why aren't manufacturers making this cars because they're not running a charity. They need to they need to make a product we're going to buy when it's new. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's just, yeah, chicken and egg, right? Mm-hmm. Ben C. asks us what car he should turro for a long weekend in Miami. He's attending a ritzy wedding. Remember that Lamborghini from the beginning? I was going to say, <laughs> it's got neon and loud bass. What's your music? <laughs> exactly. He's got a budget of about 150 bucks a day. I would uh, try to crank that up if I were you, plus it's me talking. <laughs> All added money. I wow, I'm surprised. Because it depends on what you want to get out of this wedding and who you are to the bride and groom. What impression are we giving? I go back to yes. the Lamborghini we started the questions with. That's solved. Done. Well, the other idea, I mean, there's so many tuner shops that will throw, you know, 30-inch wheels on your Rolls Royce whatever. <laughs> yeah, wagon wheels. I mean, could you go to them and say, hey, I, I, do you want to show off your product? And like, you know, you know <laughs> no. this car will be valeted out front of the hotel or wherever the reception is at. Yeah. Would you let me drive it for two days? <laughs> And I will. This is an interesting question. Like a McLaren that is so loud, and you know, this is interesting. I see where you're going. Unfortunately, you can't tour that kind of stuff, and it you know it doesn't always work. But generally speaking, I I would think, yeah, go to some tuner and you get your product Uh, out there. Funny, or maybe they take you in it or something, and and leave it out front. Maybe they don't let you drive it, but maybe they drive (laughs) you around or something. Okay, back to the $150 a day budget. Yeah, back to quasi-reality. You can see reality from here. Drive something you otherwise never would Mm. or something that isn't you. And by that, I don't mean a Corolla. You know, are you into electric cars? Go get yourself a Hellcat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Something that is the opposite of your proclivities. Yeah. Because you're going to be driving for a couple of days, you can actually get a really... That's the other thing. You can get an extended test drive out of this car, theoretically. Very true. Although it is Miami. You're going to have to go down to Key West or something to really... You can get an extended out. sit in traffic. That's what I meant. That's true. That's what I meant, yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's what you really meant, reading between the lines. But yeah, if you're in you know, totally you know, muscle car, you've got a Mustang, something like that, get yourself a Tesla. Go experience this car. Interesting. I see where you're going. But it's not going to be valeted because everybody has one of those. Yeah. So... Funny. What do you want to get out of the wedding? Do you want to like show off? Okay. Do you want to have it parked out front? Like, that's my whip, or yeah, whatever. <laughs> All right, I'm not that guy. I've got a uh, track daily crush that I really liked. Okay. Did you see this one from Jeff? No, I really like this one because uh, actually was I was inexplicably looking at the AutoZam today. There's one on Bring a Trailer. Uh, so the track of course daily crush, you were. The AutoZam AZ1, which is kind of a car built for me. If I was going to get the random car ship from Japan, that that's pretty much the beginning and end of my list because <laughs> it's just even smaller than the cars I currently own. What is wrong with me? Anyway, so the AutoZam AZ1, the Honda Beat, or the Skyline R32, track daily crush. I have an answer. Okay. I'm tracking the Skyline. I was going to say, that's a foregone conclusion. I'm crushing the Beat, and I'm daily driving that AutoZam. Dang. Yes, I'm done. I love it. That's good. All right, I'm going to leave it there. Well, uh, there was uh, a question on Instagram here from Wafi.y. He said... uh, how about a certified Paul owned YouTube miniseries? 
It'd be nice to go along for TV episodes of Long Term <laughs> Fast Blast. So does that mean I just you know show my car parked because um, he's 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 <laughs> he's asking for a detailing series? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Well, uh, yeah, we Maybe, don't have a detailing series plan right we now. Don't. Maybe our friends at Grios can help us with that. I, I definitely hear cool. you. I mean, because you know I'm out there with Q-tips and toothbrushes and you know getting after it. Yeah, you guys, you guys obviously didn't see this, even though a while back I posted an Instagram photo of us washing our cars side by side. I came over for, let's be honest, for Paul to instruct me shortly, shortly after I got the car. And he told me all the steps he was doing to the Cayman. Okay, and I want you to understand this. He was walking me through the process side by side. He was walking me through, okay, now, now use this brush and do this. And he's walking me through the process. While he's working on his Cayman, he started before I arrived. He was going for an hour after I left. I did all of Paul's steps. I just did not do them with the specific, the specific, I didn't do them as well. This is what I'm trying to say. The spur, spur. Forget the word. The point is I did not do it as well. I didn't do it nearly as well. And the Lotus was practically like surface of the sun bright when I left. Yeah, it looked good. Looked good. Yeah. Yeah. He says with, you can't see him look down his nose at me about how it looked good, no. but it could not have, it could certainly have looked better. So it could be a series, but I don't know if it's a series on detailing as much as it is a series kind of like, this is what OCD like looks OCD. like. I'm not sure. I mean, I do wipe the inside of the tailpipe, so I'm just putting that out there. Of course there. you do. Yes. I mean, it makes him look good, you know? Uh, for grime out of for there. For five minutes until you drive it somewhere and it's not good anymore. Yeah, but, you know, the washing is, is for consistency's sake. It's not to keep it clean. It's okay. for the sake of, you know, long-term ownership, right. so... Anyway, yeah. Uh, what else on here? What other questions do you have? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, let's see. Uh, Fuse Photography asked an interesting question on Instagram. Okay. He says, we talk about cars like the Camry as being like a 6 or 7 out of 10 across the board, which is why they sell. Because right. they just kind of do everything a great fairly question. well. What about buying one of those? Since they're obviously solid commuters and they're reliable and they get decent gas mileage and they've got space and all that good stuff. And then trying to fix the enthusiast parts of it. And trying hmm. to make it an 8 or 9 or a 10 in those areas. What do we think of that? Is that possible? I'm going to say two things. The short version is if you're really buying a car to be a great car to drive, go buy a great car to drive first and foremost. I'm going to come back to when I own the FRS. Could I argue that it was underpowered? Of course I could. But I was buying a car for the handling and for the interaction with the driver. And that was the thing the FRS did best. And I did as much as I could take it on drives where I could enjoy what the car did best. If you're worried about driving a car that you want it to be fun on a back road, then you kind of need to buy a car that, that, that lends to its strengths. Now, to look at this the other way, when we drove that Honda Coupe a while back, Honda Accord Coupe, yeah. the biggest Achilles heel of that car was terrible tires. And we kept talking about it. It's got a six-speed. It's got a good engine. It's a nice place to be. It's a Honda. It's going to run. I wish this had some Pilot Supersports on it. We kept saying that. Because we thought, how great would this yeah, car be? true. You can. True. Any car you have, you can improve so much. I would just say with tires. And then we have a local guy, Sasha. Yeah. Who, this, is, this kind of proves both of my points in one story. Okay. Sasha had a maroon four-door Accord. Yeah. Okay, that was his car for a long time. Over time, he decided he wanted it to drive better because he was going on. We had Park City Car Club drives where the guys that are running the front of that pack are moving. Yeah. yeah so Park City Car Club drives. He wanted to be in the thick of it. So he put much better wheels and tires on the car. Much like like he did like super sports on the tire, on the, on the thing. And then eventually he did, I think, sway bars. And I, think, I don't remember if he did shocks or not, but I know he did sway bars. <laughs> Sasha was running with everybody. Surprise. He was throwing that Accord down back roads. So that proves it can be done. But then here's the twist with Sasha specifically. Same guy. He recently bought an ND Miata, sold the Accord, bought an ND Miata, and he could not be more over the moon for how much more he likes that car. So there's both so great. sides of that equation in one story. I hope that helps. Love it. All right. Last question for me is from Dammit Patton on Instagram. He's asking about cops going easier on domestic cars when it comes to ticketing. Chad, I think you're listening. He is uh, our, our, <laughs> our local sheriff. Local law <laughs> enforcement sheriff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's had his Camaro for over a year, and there have been times when he's caught dead to right speeding, and he ended up not even getting pulled over, whereas in his Subaru-laden past... If one mm. has a Subaru-laden past. It happens. It does happen. Yeah. He said, uh, if I were in the same position, I was guaranteed to at least get pulled over. Hmm. I think it's perception. But honestly, I'm, Chad has told me flat out, if there's a Porsche and it's, yes, speeding, his mindset is that the Porsche driver is more attentive, more aware, probably a better driver. 
and generally paying attention more to everything that is going on rather than just somebody blasting along in a Malibu or a Camry or something like that. Well, he's taking into account, he's not even necessarily calling out Porsches in general. He made a comment to us as a law enforcement officer. He pays attention not only to the speed, but how is the speeding being done? Yes, agreed. So, I mean, you could make the case for, yes, Porsche aside, but any high-performance car and how it's being handled and driven, Mm -hmm. they can tell. Versus if you're weaving and all that kind of stuff, I mean, that attracts attention like crazy. Yeah, yeah but that's a fair point. you got pulled over in the GT86. I got pulled over in the FRS, and I swear to you, two things that were hysterical. One, the cop was half my age, and I'm not that old. And secondly, <laughs> I I have rarely seen shock on the look of a face of an officer who's pulled me over. Because I've been pulled over plenty of times in my life. There was genuine shock on his face that I saw him recover because he realized I was twice as old as the person he expected to be driving that car. And I got a warning. The point is, I think cops are savvier than everybody gives them credit for, for sure. as far as yeah. cars and their yeah. performance and what they can do, and the generally speaking, the type of person who's driving, driving that car. Interesting point. I Interesting think they're point. far more tuned into that and can tell, like, okay, you know, I hmm. get it. You know, you're a good driver. You've got a hot car. You're just going fast because you like to go fast, versus just some, you know. Joe, idiot. That's, that's hooning and not paying attention yeah, to others. I see the difference. Agreed. Yeah. So it just depends on the car, really. Guys, thank you so much. As always, we uh, we sure enjoy it. Hopefully, you do as well. Yeah. And uh, rate and review the show as well. And uh, our television season for season two on Velocity is coming to a close. Yep. This weekend is the California Adventure piece again. Yeah. And that will close out season two. And then we really are working towards season three, which is July. So brace yourself. Yeah, we, we are. We're having to. Man. And uh, massive thanks to our sponsors for the TV show. And that is Covercraft, Grios Garage, and Auto Tempest. Yeah. If you use the code every day at Covercraft and Grios Garage, Covercraft will give you free shipping. Grios Garage will give you 10% off your order. So don't forget that. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to next time. Cheers. Geico presents unhelpful home improvement how-tos. A slippery bathroom floor can result in expensive hospital bills. So today, I'll show you how to cushion a serious fall by filling your bathroom with thousands of plastic balls. Just nail a piece of plywood across the doorway and dump in 2,000 multicolored plastic balls. You could try to protect yourself with a bathroom full of plastic balls, or you could get liability coverage through the GEICO Insurance Agency. Visit GEICO.com and see how affordable renter's insurance can be. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. Federal government worker Blake Murray in D.C. says he's pretty much had it with the partial government shutdown. It's pretty demoralizing, um, you know, and I feel like kind of a pawn in a political game and totally powerless. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi is asking President Trump to postpone his January 29th State of the Union address, citing security concerns. But Republicans say this is just politics, shutdown politics, a move intended to keep President Trump off the national stage. Going to prison for 20 years, a Tennessee teacher who took a 15-year-old student and ran for weeks Prosecutor Dan Cochran. I think it's a serious sentence. 20 years is a significant amount of time. He's going to have all that time to think about what he did, the consequences of it. We asked for 30, obviously, but 20 is a very serious sentence, and we feel good about it. An employee and a customer at an IHOP restaurant in Huntsville, Alabama, were killed in a shooting that also injured another employee. I'm Rita Foley.